The idea of yes, I will kind of goes perfectly with the series that we're doing right now. We started it last week. We didn't actually talk about the premise of the series very much last week. The series is called Happy, Healthy, and Wise. And, and the premise is just this. God gives us instructions. He tells us about how he made life to work so that we could line up with that. And when we do, we experience happy, healthy, and wise lives. And maybe you hear that and you think, is, really, is that really the goal of a follower of Jesus? And I would say, no, that's not the goal. The goal is to honor God. The outcomes happen when you choose to do that. When, you, when you're deciding to follow what God wants for your life, you end up with healthy and wise decisions. You find yourself in places where there's happiness. God would call that an abundant life. It's not that God intends to make your life happy and sunshine all the time. It's just that when you choose to honor him, you end up with healthy and wise choices in your life. And what follows from that is despite your circumstances, you could be at peace. You could have a sense of joy. And you could say, well, Blair, shouldn't it be joy, healthy and wise? Just doesn't roll off the tongue the same, okay? So just give me this one. Happy, healthy and wise is what we're shooting for. And last week we started with the first one. We said uh, belonging. There's a longing in all of us to be known and to know other people, to care for other people and to be cared for by people. And we said, listen, it takes three things. If you have shared values, if you have the same values, if you have a deep love for each other and empathy, and, and I forgot the last one, but if that's there, you end up with unity. And that's the experience that God wants you to have in relationships. He wants you to, it's humility. He wants you to have a sense of humility with each other so that you experience what you were always created to have, this sense of unity. You were designed for this. It's why people long for those kind of relationships. This morning, I'm going to talk to you about another thing that I think is in you to long for, to want to do. Um, it makes your heart beat fast at times when you see it happening, and it's just this simple idea. It's serving others when you don't get anything in return. It, it doesn't sound great, right? It does, but it, there is purpose and meaning in it, and God's designed you for this. This, uh, this morning, and we want to start with a song that highlights that. And he, here's what I did. Um, a couple weeks ago, we are it was probably a month or so ago now, we were looking for a song that could start this service. And I went and I looked up the top 150 songs that were played on the radio this year, and I didn't find this topic brought up once. Trish finally found a song that works really well, and uh, she arranged to have some images put with it, and I think it's gonna be really helpful. So I want you to listen to this song, and then I'm gonna come up, and I wanna talk about that just a little bit more. The song really works because it has this idea of I'll be there. It's, this is part of what serving is. You show up beside other people. And it worked really well because we had images of all kinds of stuff that Waypoint has done as a community where we have gone and kind of served other people around the world. They had pictures from the DR there. There are pictures from um, in the Carolinas. All, all kinds of different serving that we've done, locally, abroad, all of that sort of thing. And this element that I will be there works but if you listen closely to that song, that song was generally sung about somebody who kind of knows you and 
You're gonna be there for them. And, and there's an element of that that has to happen. There's an element of serving that has to happen in those kind of relationships. But the scriptures say it's pretty easy to love somebody who will love you back. But nowhere can be found in our culture's celebration, our music, all of that, that's not championed anywhere, is the idea that you would go and love somebody who wouldn't return that to you at all. Like, it's not there. We, we look for those songs. And I think it's not there because it's, it's really hard. There's nothing glamorous about doing that sort of thing. There's nothing glamorous about going and serving somebody who doesn't care if you're doing it for them or not. You're simply doing it to honor God. And because it's difficult at times, people just don't see the value in it. I, I, I wanna give you this idea this morning. You were meant for this. God designed you for this. And there is purpose and meaning to be found if you can find places to do this in the world. I wanna start this morning, by, however, by showing you that I think there's a pattern that you should be aware of. Uh, I, I want to take you to Jeremiah chapter 1. This is before Jeremiah has been assigned anything. He's just Jeremiah, just Jeremiah, the guy. He doesn't have a role, a special role in God's kingdom. And I love that this story is included in the scriptures. This is God approaching Jeremiah and recruiting him to serve. And I love it. Because I identify with so much that happens here. So this, um, we're going to pick up what happens starting in verse 5. God approaches Jeremiah and says this. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Man, that had to be reassuring. Jeremiah, I formed you. I had an idea of what you would be before you were even in the womb. Then he goes on in the second part of the verse. He says... Before you were born, I set you apart. Jeremiah, before you came out kicking and screaming, I had a plan for you. Now listen, as soon as I say I have a plan for you, I feel like I have to just stop for a minute because there's a few pictures that come into people's minds. And generally what I've found is that the primary picture that comes into people's minds as soon as they hear that is not the primary picture that God mostly operates with. When we hear God has a plan, we think of God sitting at a board of chess and micromanaging each move. And you're just the pawn in that. And if you'll get in his plan, he'll control everything. It's a rigid path that he puts you on. You kind of get caught in the flow of it, and you just go along for the ride. And and it includes everything. It includes, hey, that means if I'm in God's plan, he's going to Help me find the right spouse, the right house, the right car, the right job, the right... And we have this very rigid idea for what God's plan is. But there's a second possibility. It's possible that part of God's plan is to design you a certain way. To give you gifts, skills, aptitudes that lets you use them with some flexibility in the world. That's what's here. That's what's in this with Jeremiah. I set you apart. It's not that I have this, I've got this narrow thing that you're going to do. I have some very clear tasks for you, but I've given you some skills. I've equipped you in certain ways that's going to allow you to operate in the world. 
And he did that before he was even born. The third part of the verse says this. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. He, ha- he was given a significant role. He says, listen, I have appointed you. And here's what happens. At least um, when I read this verse, and I've read other places where people are called like this. And the thought is, if that happened to me, I'd be in. Right? If God spoke up and said, hey, I designed you. I came up with a plan before you were born. Like, I gave you some aptitudes and some skills to use. And I'm appointing you a task to do that if that ever happened to me, I'd be in. Right? I'd say, yes, absolutely I would do that. Isn't that what you would think? If God approached, but you haven't had a vision. God hasn't said that stuff directly to you. And so we feel like these guys are kind of special. And if something special like that happened to us, we'd say yes, just like them. Hmm. Let's see what Jeremiah says. Verse 6. Alas, sovereign Lord, I do not know how to speak. Well, we know he's talking right now. But he's talking about public speaking. A prophet would have to go before kings and rulers and important people, large groups of people, and he's like, I I, I can't do that. I just can't do that. And then he says, I am too young. He says what I've said to God often, and I suspect some of you have done the same thing too. God says, listen, Jeremiah, I designed you, I equipped you, I appointed you. And Jeremiah says, I'm not skilled or qualified for the job. You you better check your notes, God, because that's not me. Now now listen, I understand why he would be hesitant. This was a high-profile role. The chances that he would approach somebody and say something to somebody who has utter power and could take his life and that person not like, it's high. He's just going to be asked to say stuff to important people that could cost him his life. So he's nervous about that. But that's not, that's not the only reason that he says no. There's a couple reasons we say no when God approaches us with stuff that's far less important than I want you to be a prophet for my kingdom. One of them makes some sense. There are boundaries that you have in your life, and you have to have those boundaries in place. If if you said yes to every opportunity to serve in God's kingdom that people brought to your doorstep, they could kill you. We, We could keep you underwater here at Waypoint doing that alone, right? There's lots of opportunities. And so you have to have boundaries, and those are healthy Boundaries are healthy and wise. But the other thing that sometimes gets in the way, sometimes we evaluate boundaries, sometimes we just do what Jeremiah did. We look at the barriers. I'm not skilled. I'm not qualified. I can't do that. I'm not enough. I wrote a little list. I don't have. I'm the wrong person. You don't know my background, God. Do you see who I've been, what I've done? I'm not the right life stage. I'm too young, I'm too old, I'm too 
busy, I'm too. And it goes on and on. And see, boundaries and barriers are very real to us. But even in light of a boundary, the most important question isn't, should I do this or not? The most important question is the question that Jeremiah missed. Who's asking me to do this? God himself came to Jeremiah and said, man, I I designed you, I equipped you, I've appointed you a role, let's go. And instead of finding a way to do this, he saw the barriers and he said, no, look at how God responds to him. Verse seven, do not say I am too young. Don't put that in your head. That's not a thought that's okay. Here's all I need from you, Jeremiah. You must go everywhere I send you. Say whatever I command you to say. I just want you to be available. When I say get up and go, I just want you to do that. When I give you some specific things to say, I want you to speak. I just want you to have the courage to do that. I've given you a set of skills. There's some flexibility that we're operating with here. But when it's go time, when it's time for you to serve, I want you to go. Now, I I don't know if you caught this, but this is the last part of the pattern that we see in the scriptures. God designs, he equips, he appoints, and then he joins, or you join God. But it's a combination, it's an us, it's a we. It's, it's something that you do with God. And this is exactly, when I tell you, I want you to go. We're in this together. And it records in verse nine that God reaches and touches his chest. We don't know if this was a literal touch. We don't know if he was having a vision, if this was a metaphor. Um, here's what we know. God says this in verse 10. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. Jeremiah, if you will listen to me, if you will step into the task that I have appointed for you, there is much purpose for you to have in your life. And we're gonna do this together. This pattern that you see in the scriptures is repeated over and over. You'll see it in the life of Moses. You'll see it in the life of Joshua. You'll see it in the life of King David. You'll see it with Peter. You'll see it with Paul. You'll see it in these guys' life all through the scripture where God says, listen, here's the pattern. I designed you. I had had an idea of making you unique, and I did it. I equipped you. I gave you a set of skills, attributes that that are yours. I did that. And it's for the purpose of appointing you to do something in my kingdom that you and I will do together. I'll join you. And and you'll see it all over the place. Here's the truth. The same pattern that we see in the scriptures with important people, the way we would think about it, is exactly what God does with you. Same pattern. You You might not know it, You might not have seen it before, but I I want to tell you about it. So um, the scriptures talk about you. Says some stuff about those who decide to follow after Jesus, are part of his kingdom in a church, 
Like that's a setting that he uses. I want you to see some of the things that are said about you. This is Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. For we are God's handiwork. You're designed. By the way, this has all of the elements in it. Um, all the verses we're gonna look at aren't, but this one does. It says you're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. There, he's equipped you to do good works, which God prepared. Sorry, I broke my glasses. Um, and I wrote really big so I wouldn't have to do this. I have no idea what that word is. I can't even read my own handwriting. In advance. It's clearly in advance. In advance for us to do, right? God designed. He equipped us. He appointed us to do some stuff in advance in his kingdom. And who are we with? We're in Christ Jesus. That's you. But I, I want you to see initially, you're, you're part of God's handiwork. You're part of the design that he had in mind. He's talking about the church in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Verse 11 says this. And he distributes them to each one. What's them? Gifts. He's equipping you with certain skills, certain attributes. And he does it just as he determines. God God not only designed you, but he equipped you. You are unique. There's, you're not an accident. You're on purpose, designed by God with the neat, unique design that you have. The same chapter, verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. You're, you're appointed a place to actually use that stuff. You're to use those skills and gifts in God's kingdom. And he gives you a place to do that. First, or Colossians 1.18 says this. And he, Christ, Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. And so when you do that in the church, you're joining God. The same pattern. Same pattern for you and me. God's not asking you to do this stuff alone. He says, listen, here's what I want for you. I want to design you in a way that you understand I've equipped you for ministry of some sort to serve others. I've appointed you for it, and now I'm going to join you. That's you. That's me. And here's what I can tell you. Um, you would think that because God has done everything to set us up to succeed, that it would be simply easy to do. I told you um, in the last series that we did that I stalled um, with God for 10 years. I was really stubborn. I wanted to do ministry my way, and if it wasn't my way, I wasn't going to do ministry. And after 10 years, I finally gave in, and I said, okay, God, I'll do it your way. And I found myself employed in a church very shortly after that had happened. And you would think that was the greatest thing that had ever happened, and there was a lot of good. There was a lot of good that came from it. But can I tell you one of the things that surprised me to no end? I, I followed God. I'm in this role. And the overwhelming sense of who do you think you are? You're not trained for this. You're, you're not capable of this. You don't have the skills for this. What are you doing here? It was unbelievable. I wasn't expecting it. 
But it was overwhelming to hear that sense of insecurity just kind of get picked at. And I was like, I followed you. I thought this was supposed to be like good and easy, right? God does not promise that. He wants you to follow. But what happens is when we get into a place where we start to follow and it's not easy and it's not perfect, it's not going the way we thought it could go, and all the barriers come to mind. All the barriers of why am I doing this? Why did you ask me? God, check your stats. I think you got the wrong person. For many people, that becomes the end of the story for them serving. Because they get into it, and they see all the difficulty, and they see what's going on, and they thought it would just be easier, it would be better. Or, or for them, um, the thing that God asked them to do is small, right? You either feel like, oh, I'm, I'm incapable of doing this, or the small thing that you're asking me to do isn't significant, so why am I wasting my time even looking at this? And these barriers that we face cause us to respond just like Jeremiah. Jeremiah had a big task, but many times I have found that I respond the same way with really small things in my life. Where God comes and says, I'd like you to do this. And the first thing I think of are all the barriers for why I shouldn't. Now, um, I went out. And I found a small um, clip that I want to show you that shows people doing some small things. They're just small acts of service. And here's what I'd like you to do. I want you to pay attention to what you think about and how you feel when you watch that little clip. Okay? Um, check this out. That's the right music. Those who give without Can we start that over just for the fun of it? shall be given unto them. 
they shall be called blessed. The true saints. The restorers of streets to dwell in. What did you think when you saw that little clip? There, there is something in me that cheers when I see that stuff going on. Somebody willing to give without anybody knowing what's going on in small ways that make a difference in their little part of the world. So I, I would expect that some of you would feel the same way. You'd see that and you're like, that's awesome. I love that. And the second most popular response would be this. I'm not sure I can do that. I'm not sure I can do that. Because what comes up in our minds almost immediately, almost first, are all the barriers that get in the way from us living that kind of life. I want you to see this. This, is in, um, this idea of us serving other people permeates the scriptures because it's who we were designed to be. This is part of who we are. So it gets talked about all over the place. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, this comes up, and I love what it has to say here. It says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. You're not supposed to do it like everybody else is supposed to do it. You have your gifts, and it says this, as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. You're supposed to serve as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. By the way, did you see the pattern here? God designed you, he equipped you, he appoints you to serve, and, and he releases you. He says, listen, I want you to go and do this. I'm with you. You're a faithful steward of mine. But I want you to catch that it says, in various forms, that's you. That's you being unique, different, coming at the world and the people that you know in ways that only you can do. You're the only one at your workplace, shaped the way you're shaped, to be used by God in that way. You're the only one with your set of gifts and skills and experiences in your home. You're the only one who has the ability to do what you do the way that you would do it in, in a church setting. God, God designed you to be varied, some flexibility. And it would be great if people could step into that. But that flexibility, that, that differentness that we all experience is part of what is the barrier. Because we look at all the options that we could do and we see what we can't do and we focus on that, and we can't get by. What are we supposed to do? If, if I knew specifically what I was supposed to do, I would do it and succeed. Can, can I give you a different strategy instead? If you accept that God has designed you to serve other people, if you could accept that he's equipped you, he's made you unique, that he's appointed you to do that, in his kingdom, and that he's willing to join you, then why not try this? Start serving somewhere. I, I've run into people who are like, listen, 
I'll take a test before I serve, but I'm not gonna serve before that because I've gotta know that what I'm gonna do is gonna be successful, that it's gonna, be, that it's gonna work out really well. I can't tell you that, and nobody can for sure. Here's what we can tell you. If you're willing to serve, you put yourself in a place to join God. And the stuff that starts getting revealed in your life won't happen any other way outside of that. You'll learn. You'll grow because you're serving. You're being stretched. And it could just be in the smallest of ways. Uh, my wife and I are doing a, a small group, and uh, we're, we're looking at marriage, and we're talking to the couples in our group about finding a way to strengthen your marriage before things hit the fan. And so one of the things that we did was, and we're doing it right along with them, is we took a test about our love languages. And for the first time in our lives, because Tracy and I have taken this test before, and for the first time in our lives, she scored high on acts of service. I was shocked. I said to her, is that for real? Or did you just take the test wrong? She's like, no, that's for real. I really think I feel loved when you serve me. Great balls of fire, right? So I, I set off to do that. Can I tell you, it is super annoying. It's annoying for two reasons. One, she knows I'm trying to do it, so she keeps pointing out what I could and should do in order to serve her better. A lot of moxie in that, Foxy, right? But the second reason is, it's hard. I've realized there's some things about serving that just don't come natural to me. And I've found myself in a place where God is stretching me to grow. And if he'll grow me there, who knows where that will get used elsewhere in his kingdom. But it has to start somewhere. It has to start somewhere. I didn't wait to decide, is this the right thing to find a way to serve her? Is this the right thing to find a way to serve my coworkers? Is this the right thing to serve the people who I'm on a team with? It is. It's who you are. And there's something about it that will make your heart beat fast when you enter into that and find God. And so the simple question is this. Where in your life can you start stepping in to the challenge of serving? There's... There's all kinds of places in our community that are looking for anybody, just anybody willing to show up and to volunteer. And if you would do that, you could put yourself in a place to be stretched beyond where you're currently at. There's places here at Waypoint we could do that. You could decide to join a SEAL team that goes out and serves some of those organizations. You, you could go for the big one and start saving money to go on a mission trip. Go to the Dominican Republic Go to somewhere in West Virginia where you're going to serve somebody that's not going to give you anything in return. But you're going to make the choice to step into that so that you can join God and live out the purpose that you were made for. Listen, we, uh, we put this up on the, our calendar last week, belonging in unity, not in an attempt to somehow cause us to feel guilty. It's just an admission of what's true. If you don't find a place in your life to start putting that on the calendar, you could miss out on who God made you to be.
You could miss out on meaning and purpose that, that comes from you serving other people. And so you have to be intentional. It's not saying yes to everything, but it's saying yes to something. Even if it's small, don't discount the value of it. Don't assume that it, because it's not significant, it's not worth your time and effort. Sometimes that is the place where you're grown by God to be used later in a different area. And you would never experience that unless you served. Uh, on your table, there's a little sheet. If you want help with that, there are things that you can engage around here and do. Say, listen, I'd like to serve in this. I'd like to be involved in that. And just drop that in the offerings box out back, and somebody will contact you and talk to you more about that. But here, here's the thing. If you're not careful, your busy life will create patterns for your living that will squeeze out any opportunity that you ever have to serve, and it's a huge loss because you were made for this. You were equipped for this. God appointed you for this. He's looking to join you when you serve. This is one of the most exciting things that you could do with your life. Don't miss the opportunity to work it into your schedule to be a part of who you are. Let me pray with you. God, this idea of serving is something that you created us for. Our culture doesn't value it. We don't sing about it. We don't celebrate it. It's not championed. And yet, God, this is the kind of stuff that you deeply care about. You care about us finding who we were created to be, stepping into your kingdom and going. God, it's gonna be messy, it's gonna be difficult, but I ask that as people step in and start discovering stuff, that they'll learn more about how you made them, that you'll, they'll learn more about how they just have to hold on to you sometimes in the tough times. And serving does that. So I just ask that you would give people the courage to go home, to look at their schedule, and to say, what is it that I can do that I can start opening up my life to this very purpose that God created me for. God, I ask that all of us would be willing to take that step. This is who we are. Will we do it? Will we do it? God, may your spirit be active, pressing us to be happy healthy and wise to make decisions that honor you that spill back onto us in Jesus name Amen